No, you tell it. No, you. I'm not telling it. You should totally tell it. <laughs> well, you should tell it. No, you tell it. Hello and welcome to Know You Tell It, a hybrid story incubator slash performance series. Each Know You Tell It participant develops their true life tale on the page and then switches with a partner to perform each other's work on stage. Because nothing informs your story like hearing someone else perform your story. At Know You Tell It, we give our storytellers an evocative theme and ask them to come in with a first draft, allowing wide space for interpretation. For our In Transit show, Brian Hutchinson and Colby Black brought in distinct yet perfectly parallel stories of their love affairs with cars. Meet Erica, a souped-up temptress who lured Brian to spend his scholarship money on her. And in the days before GPS, it wasn't easy to find his way home. Read by Colby Black, here is Brian Hutchinson's story, One Car, $2,500. One car, $2,500. I bought a car, not just any car, my first car. Not the first car I ever had, mind you. It was the first car I purchased. It was not a hand-me-down from the family. I bought it with my money. My scholarship money. More, <laughs> more on that later. It was my own, my precious. And it was a maroon 1966 Mustang. There was only one problem. It was in North Carolina, and I was in Ohio. <laughs> I bought this car on eBay, you see. I had a supplemental scholarship that gave me a stipend for each semester's living expenses. It was supposed to be used for food and books and stupid stuff like that. <laughs> a car and a better job off campus. Faster commute to the lab. But most importantly, I could leave the club at whatever time of night I want. Freedom! <laughs> uh, I was a younger man in those days, and it seemed like a good idea. The description was perfect. Cosmetic damage, needs work, trunk, trunk lid is rusted, but I use it as my daily driver. It ran! <laughs> That's all I needed to know. I chatted with the seller on the phone. He agreed to pick me up. Then we'd do an initial inspection of the car, and if all was well, he'd take me to the DMV to swap the title. If things weren't kosher, he'd take me back to the airport. We'd go our separate ways. There'd be no hard feelings. However, unbeknownst to him, my mind was already made up. The Mustang was coming with me. <laughs> One-way ticket to North Carolina, $105. I had it all planned out. I, put, I printed out my MapQuest directions. <laughs> yeah, it's that long ago. <laughs> From Carolina to Columbus. I'd get in at 9, the inspection and title would take about an hour and a half, maybe two hours. Then on the road by noon and back in the bus right after Sunday. Now, timing was crucial because I had an early morning lab the next day. I didn't tell anyone where I was going because I wouldn't even be gone for the whole day. <laughs> yeah, I was a younger man at the time. <laughs> the plane's wheels touched ground right on time, and as soon as I got to the curb, here came my man. He was driving a beautifully restored early 70s pickup truck, just like he said. <laughs> and he had the build, beard, and hair color that made him look just like a younger Santa Claus, just like he said. <laughs> and he was definitely a car guy, just like me. <laughs> we talked shop as we drove back to his house, carburetors and camshafts. It was a beautiful day in late October. There was not a cloud in the sky. 
and I couldn't think of a better setting in which to meet my new baby. Finally, we pulled into his driveway, and there it was. There was a dent on the left quarter panel, and the paint on that side was faded and worn away. It was the cosmetic damage he described. I already knew all that. I gave the exterior a cursory look. He handed me the keys, and I eased into the driver's seat with reverence and anticipation. <laughs> Insert key into ignition and turn for room! She started right up. The seller mentioned something about cleaning the windshields or shining the tires for me. No need for makeup, my man. I was already in love. <laughs> time to swap that time. Around 12.30, we were back at his house, and uh, then I was pulling out of the driveway in my new 1966 Mustang Coupe. I'd be home in no time. All I had to do was get on... Get on... Uh... Now, I know I should be headed north. Yeah. Uh, let's check the directions. Hey, they're not in my backpack. Think back, what'd you do this morning? Shower, breakfast, taxi. Shower, get dressed, breakfast, taxi. Shower, get dressed, breakfast, grab bag, taxi. Shower, get dressed, breakfast, grab bag, taxi. Grab bag, put snacks in bag, taxi. Did you pick up the directions from the coffee table? <laughs> no, they are still there. Damn it! No matter. The best laid plans of mice and men, right? I'll just go to the library, print some new ones. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. <laughs> Two hours later, I'd finally found a library. <laughs> 30 minutes after that, uh, remember having to sign up for a computer? Uh, that long ago, yeah. I had my directions printed out. Directions, 30 cents. <laughs> it was now 3 p.m. and I was finally getting on the road. The route was simple. I'd take I-77 North, swoop through Virginia, and then West Virginia and Ohio, hook up with I-70 West, and then home. It was well past time to burn some rubber. Foot to the floor, I merged onto the highway. The engine roared, but the response was not immediate. <laughs> the acceleration was slow at first, and I was about to put on my hazard lights, but then the 40-year-old auto cruise transmission kicked into the next gear. We were quickly approaching a respectable velocity. I noticed a vibration around 55 miles an hour, but the car's almost 40 years old. You gotta let some stuff slide. However, we still had to make up some time, so more power! The vibration smoothed out, but then a little past 65, it returned as a violent shaking! The entire car was shaking, it felt like an earthquake! I slowed down immediately, and it stopped. Pulling the Mustang off to the side of the road, I jumped out and gave the car the best inspection I could at the moment. Checked the steering column, the shocks, the suspension, the planetary gears. I did everything except kick the tires. Couldn't find anything wrong, so back on the road I went. This time I watched carefully as we got up to speed. At 55, nothing happened. I cautiously approached 60. All good. 65, the shaking was back, and before I could even slow down, BOOM! Turns out I should have kicked the tires, because the left one just exploded. Oh. <laughs> Five 
riding the wheel, I finally got pulled over to the left side of the road. There was nothing to be done. I needed a tow truck. I resigned myself to walking back to the last exit, but not before retrieving my vintage 1966 Mustang hubcap from the middle of a four-lane highway. <laughs> I was a younger man at the time. <laughs> the garage that I found was, luckily enough, right on the exit. They towed me and gave me two front tires. Towing tires, $375. I was back on the road and it was 6.30 p.m. The sun was going down and I was still in North Carolina. <laughs> Virginia came and went without incident. There was a faint gasoline smell inside the car. <laughs> so I opened the fresh air fence. Problem solved. It forged ahead, me and my Mustang. Now, I'm cruising through the mountains of West Virginia. It was around 10 p.m. and the temperature had dropped considerably. It was time to close those vents. The smell was bad, but not overpowering, and it was certainly better than freezing. So I turned the control knob. Nothing. Frosty mountain air continued to pour into the cabin. Tried again, there was still no response. They were stuck in the open position, and I had neither the time nor the tools to fix them. Pulling my sleeves over my fingers and gritting my teeth, I pressed on, determined to make it through these damned mountains. It was a little while after that when I noticed with teeth chattering that I was low on gas. You see, 40 years ago, fuel efficiency was not a very big concern. And a 40-year-old muscle car in the mountains of West Virginia guzzles faster than a frat boy during rush week. I could almost see the needle moving, and there was nothing outside my windows. It was pitch black. There were no cities, no rest stops, no road signs. Nothing to signify that I was anywhere near civilization. It was just me and my car. I passed up one dark exit after the next. I couldn't take the chance of roaming around in werewolf country. <laughs> I rode it out as long as I could, but eventually my hand was forced. Turning off the next exit was one of the scariest things I've ever done. The off-ramp dead-ended at a road with one streetlight at the intersection. <laughs> to the left was the tunnel under the highway, and beyond that, there was nothing else. To the right, I could see the road went up a hill just before the light from the street lamp failed. Beyond that, who knew? It was a coin flip. When in doubt, go right. <laughs> I turned the wheel and eased on the gas pedal. Me and my car. We were heading into the undiscovered country together! <laughs> right at the crest of the hill, the engine cut off. <laughs> now it was just me. <laughs> there was a bend in the road right at the end of the downhill. I figured I had enough momentum to get around that, and then I'd have to decide what to do from there. Despair was just starting to set in as I came around the turn. And all of a sudden, the mighty mobile sign blazed forth in all its red, white, and blue glory, salvation! I coasted off the gas pumps just ahead of a couple guys pushing their Jeep. <laughs> we all laughed as we recounted our stories of how we came to such a lowly state. 
They wished me luck, and I like to think we would have hugged if they weren't so damn sweaty from pushing that <laughs> Full gas tank, $23. The Mustang was alive again, and we were in the home stretch. It was now 12.45 a.m. Just a little before the Ohio State line, I smelled what I thought was oil burning. <laughs> Pulled over, checked the levels, but everything seemed okay. I bought a quart of 30 weight, poured half in, just to be sure. One quart of oil, $11.92. About 3 a.m., I was 40 miles away from Columbus, just outside of Pinkerton, Ohio. I heard a loud pop like a big firecracker. Steering was fine, so no, it was not the rear tire. We were, however, rapidly decelerating. <laughs> I tried to get up to speed again, but she was not having it. One more, a bang this time, and I decided to stop at the next rest stop. When I popped the hood, it was immediately apparent what the problem was. The exhaust manifold was glowing cherry red. The sound was backfiring. I pushed her too hard, and the burning I had smelled earlier was probably what was left of the gaskets. So I hunkered down and took a nap in the back while staying cool. <laughs> After 20 minutes or so, we took to the highway again. I put the hazards on and we limped along at about 40 miles per hour. About two blocks from my apartment, she finally gave out. I couldn't get the engine to turn over, and when I looked under the hood one more time, I saw that the exhaust manifold had broken in two. <laughs> she could to get me home. I parked on the side street, grabbed my bag, and walked the rest of the way. When I opened the door, I could see the MapQuest directions on the table. <laughs> Openly mocking me. It was 5 a.m., and the sun was just lightening the morning sky. I slept. When I woke up, I had some friends help me push Erica into my parking lot. <laughs> If you're wondering why I named the car Erica, think of every Erica you know. <laughs> you like them. You like them. But they're a little bitchy. <laughs> we had many more adventures after that, Erica and I. I continued to pour money into fixing her, and she continued to break in new ways. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, I love that car. Just like any relationship, we had our ups and downs. My blood, sweat, and tears are literally in that car. Erica took me many places and left me stranded there. <laughs> to paraphrase the bard, the evil that cars do lives after them. <laughs> However, she did take me on what is still my greatest adventure. I sold her to a collector and used the money to move to New York City. And now I'm telling stories in front of you fine people. Thank you, Erica, for helping a young man get his star so long ago. Total cost, I can never repay you. Switching up the stories, rare model Jolene led Colby Black all the way across the country. Complete with a soundtrack by the Talking Heads, here's Colby's cross-country journey read by Brian Hutchinson. My God, what have I done? My God, what have I done? 
I woke up with a pang of nostalgia. Remember that time that I drove a 35-year-old SUV that I bought on eBay across the country? Thank God I never have to do that again. I rubbed my eyes, looked around, and reconnoitered. Hmm. Immediately, four thoughts crammed through my head all at once. Thought number one, this is not my beautiful apartment. Thought number two, that is not my beautiful girlfriend. Thought number three, there really is a large automobile parked outside. In fact, I'm coming to in a hotel room in Walla Walla, Washington, which means this is still that time that I drove a 35-year-old SUV that I bought on eBay across the country. Moreover, this being Walla Walla, Washington, it's only the second day of that time that I drove a 35-year-old eBay purchase across the country. And there are at least six more days of that time that I drove a 35-year-old SUV across the country. Thought number four. My God, what have I done? <laughs> now, it's no accident that my thoughts are coagulating genuinely in the form of classic rock lyrics. <laughs> if you've ever driven across this country, you know that the state of classic rock radio is alive and well <laughs> from left to right on your dial, from sea to shining sea. <laughs> so let's just walk through those four thoughts in order. Thought number one. This is not my beautiful apartment! <laughs> At the time this story takes place, my beautiful apartment was in the middle of Manhattan. Sure, they call it the Upper West Side, but look at the map! It's right in the middle of the island. <laughs> yes, I got that line from my apartment's leasing agent. And it is a line, but it's still a true statement. I've been living in New York for almost five years after moving from Texas. Being from Texas means I'm no stranger to road trips. In fact, they were natured and nurtured into me. I come from a family of gearheads. I had an uncle that rebuilt a Model T, another uncle that had a sweet orange 1972 Ford pickup that he inherited from my grandfather, and a third uncle owns a body shop and a pristine 1957 Thunderbird. He once charged my dad 50 bucks to take a dent out of our car. My dad was expecting it to be free. My uncle thought otherwise and said, you better charge your friends because your enemies won't do business with you. <laughs> that stuck with me. It also stuck with my dad, who has brought it up just enough to get his $50 worth out of that experience. <laughs> now, if I had to say my parents have a hobby, it's driving. And every summer they'd load up the Buick and drive us to LA at precisely 55 miles an hour, the whole 1,067 mile way. And I was born and raised in the area of the Texas Panhandle that was so remote and desolate, we had to drive an hour just to get to the nearest movie theater. A high school football game in our district meant someone was spending six hours of their Friday on a yellow school bus. Thought number two, that is not my beautiful girlfriend. <laughs> I am not sharing this hotel in Walla Walla, Washington with my girlfriend, Jess. I am also not alone. Sadly, I am sharing my hotel room with one of the top five ranked snorers in the new world, Todd Van Horn. He's my own best friend of me. 
<laughs> I'm not sure how to say this, but Todd is simultaneously, in absolutely every single instant, the very first and very last person you want with you on an interstate road trip. <laughs> Todd's sense of direction is like, it's like a monarch butterfly crossed with a hummingbird. It's remarkable. <laughs> Equally remarkable is his desire to get off the interstate and see what's out there. <laughs> out there. <laughs> and like a proverbial cat of curiosity. He pulled us on a trip to Ohio. We got off the interstate to see what's out there, out there, and found ourselves on a two-lane road behind an Amish buggy for 20 minutes. I think we were topping out at 11 miles an hour, and then Slow Ride came on the radio. Which you think would have made the event stick with me and really sink in? It did not. So, on our latest endeavor, Todd was co-piloting and noticed that we were just an inch on the map from Oregon's Crater Lake. Now the trouble is, if you're willing to zoom way out, you're only an inch on the map just about anywhere. <laughs> we are at present in this very room in Manhattan's East Village, an inch from Atlanta. <laughs> Todd and I have both heard a bit about Crater Lake and neither of us had been there. And again, it was only an inch on the map from us. Crater Lake sits in a perfect bowl that was formed when the volcano blew its top. There are no rivers or streams that flow into or out of it. It's the cleanest body of water in North America. It's also completely shielded from wind from the lip of the mountain. There is nary a ripple on the surface. Crater Lake is legitimately mind-blowing. Todd and I walked, nay, we strutted around it for an hour or so, like we had done something, like we had discovered this place. <laughs> I promise you it's something you should visit once. Please visit it once. And please visit it only once. For they're only an inch on the map away. It added 12 hours to day one of driving. Even in April, many of the roads are still closed from snow, for, which forces one, or me in this case, to drive up and around the rim of the mountain and then back down and around said mountain. Do I need to mention that after I was white-knuckling the steering wheel all the way back down the mountain while riding the brakes and legitimately stress-sweating, Todd had the nerve to say, that detour wasn't that bad. <laughs> Perhaps what kept me from killing Todd that day was the impact it would have on my relationship with my girlfriend, Jess. Jess is an actual, for real, Jersey girl. She pumps her fists. She gives it. She gives directions with exit numbers in them. <laughs> Jess says Austin, Texas. And I wonder if that's near Austin. <laughs> I told you, she's a for real Jersey girl. Like, I'm too old and grizzled to believe in love at first sight. But the first time I saw her, I was head over heels. So, of course, that meant there was a rapid uptick in my time in Jersey. I didn't see this coming. And it caused Jess to worry about my sanity. 
but not for the reasons you think. She worried about my sanity because while it was ridiculously easy for me to get into and out of her place from the city, I was kind of stuck once I was there. There was not much within walking distance and cycling seemed a bit dodgy. <laughs> Thought number three, there is really a large automobile parked outside. <laughs> about a week or so after we brought this up, we were at dinner with some of her friends. A couple of us guys decided that we all need to live next to each other with basements that we connect with a tunnel system. <laughs> and then we kept drinking. <laughs> and then even dumber ideas came out. One of the guys mentioned that he always wanted an old Jeep CJ, and I said, I always wanted an old Land Cruiser or Defender, but they always seem pretty expensive for their age. It seems like you can find some great deals on old International Scouts, though. Even though those words came out of my mouth, it took me about half an hour to pair my obvious need with my obvious opportunity. I didn't need a daily driver, didn't really care about fuel economy or reliability, I didn't want to spend much money, I didn't want a giant insurance liability, I didn't want something that looked like it should be stolen or might hold anything valuable. <laughs> so, impractical, gas guzzling, unreliable, cheap, worthless, Pretty sure you Google those things, and International Scout comes up. <laughs> but I'll just guess that you have no idea what the International Scout is. The International Harvester Company was founded in 1902 when John Pierpoint Morgan merged five agricultural manufacturing companies. They made tractors, they made trucks, and in 1958, their head of engineering tasked his minions with designing something to replace the horse. <laughs> Horses, as you may be aware, had an evolutionary head start of millions of years. Somehow, 24 months later, trusty seeds all over America were replaced by the Scout from International. As you might expect, when a tractor company makes an SUV, they aren't exactly stylish hot rods. But you could probably tow a house with them. They also featured a four-wheel drive system that could best anything General Motors and Ford had a decade later. However, this plan of internationals had a few problems. Cheaply, they had no dealership network to sell these things, i.e., they had no good way to service them. In fact, many scouts were given away for free to farmers who bought an international harvester tractor. So they weren't exactly coveted machines at the time which is to say they were never really coveted machines. <laughs> Most of them weren't babied, oh, and they had the amazing proclivity to start rusting almost immediately. <laughs> and also, international scouts are more likely to roll over than a dog named Scout. <laughs> it might surprise you to learn that in 1980, international found the Scout to be a bad business decision <laughs> and stop production. No one really noticed. Horses all over America came out of retirement. <laughs> Despite this plan's merits, I remained unconvinced that Jess could possibly think this harebrained scheme, conceived on alcohol, was a good idea. One random Tuesday, I blurted out, oh, I bought a scout today. <laughs> you did? Awesome. Tell me about it. Okay, I hadn't. That was a test. A dry run to see how she really felt about all this nonsense. It seems she didn't really think it was nonsense. She thought I should, like, I don't know, 
do things that make me happy or some such. <laughs> Thought number four. My God! What have I done? Well, shit. <laughs> I have a track record of women thinking my harebrained ideas are harebrained ideas. They are harebrained ideas. And I grew accustomed to the pushback. It kept me honest and stagnant and resentful. Honestly, stagnant resentfulness, that's my sweet spot. That's my 20s and early 30s and mid-30s. Oh, shit. This Jess girl actually isn't going to think my wild, wacky ideas are wild, wacky ideas. Truth be told, I'm not an amazing optimist. I just kept getting up after every knockdown. There were a lot of knockdowns. But there are a few things more terrifying and exhilarating than having a best friend of me and a girlfriend who encourage and support your harebrained ideas that seem to be the culmination of your entire upbringing and life. In fact, I can think of only two things more terrifying and exhilarating than that. One of them is when you're watching the clock tick down on an eBay auction for a 1978 International Scout and you're the high bidder. <laughs> The second thing is five minutes after the auction closes and you've won, and you look down and say, oh shit, this thing is in fucking Rogue River, Oregon? What the hell is that? I wrote down three goals for the trip. One, get to Oregon. Two, get back to New York. Three, don't kill Todd. <laughs> the third was mostly optional. But all three were accomplished. After finally hearing every classic rock song ever recorded, we wheeled into Jess's place in New Jersey at about four on Sunday morning. The sun came through the window and I woke up a very few, very short hours later and felt an immense sense of relief and joy and accomplishment. We really had done it. We really had driven a 35-year-old international scout named Jolene across the country that I bought on eBay site unseen. It was real. And this time, we really never had to do it again. This is my beautiful girlfriend. This is her beautiful apartment. Once in a lifetime. That's it. Thanks for joining us for this installment of No, You Tell It. Visit us on the web at knowyoutellit.com.